Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You know, most people who claim to be Christians think the details of what we believe don't matter. That all that matters is if you believe in Jesus or not. Their reasoning is that since preachers teach different doctrines, different preachers teach different doctrines, it must not matter to God. But since when does 2 plus 2 equal 4 and 5 both at the same time? 1 Timothy 6, excuse me, 1 Timothy 4 verse 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine, unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let me read that again since I messed it up the first time. Take heed unto thyself and unto thee unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. So to be saved, this text says we must continue in the doctrine, meaning if we don't continue in the doctrine, we won't be saved. That's clear. It says you have to continue in the doctrine to save yourself and them that hear thee. Yet most people who claim to preach the Bible will say doctrine doesn't really matter. All you got to do is believe in Jesus, but the things that you believe about what Jesus taught doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you believe once saved, always saved, or not once saved, always saved. It doesn't matter if you believe you got to be baptized to be saved. It doesn't matter if you believe whether baptism is sprinkle or immersion. It doesn't really matter whether or not you teach that gay marriage is okay or not. It doesn't. Any, none of those things really matter if you believe in Jesus because according to them, doctrine doesn't matter. But this verse says, if you want to be saved, you're going to have to continue in the doctrine. Evidently, Jesus thought doctrine was important. As he warned his disciples in Matthew 16, 12, and I quote, Beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Well, if you got to beware of them, it must be important, right? If doctrine doesn't matter, why did Jesus warn his disciples of these false doctrines of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. if you have a Bible question or comment. How about 2 John verse 9, which reads this way. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So according to that, the doctrine we believe and teach must be super important because it determines whether or not we're going to have God. And we can't be saved if we don't have God, can we? Now let me, I'm, I think this is worth saying again. The verse First part of 2 John 9 reads, whoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Yet most preachers are saying it doesn't really matter whether or not you abide in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ. As long as you believe in Jesus, what you believe about all the things that Jesus taught doesn't really matter. That's not important. But this says if you don't abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. I'm sure none of my listeners think that we can be saved. Without God, I mean, the only way we could be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. And this verse says you have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. Doctrine must be super important to God. Look at the importance he's placing upon doctrine here. A lot of people want to make this false distinction between gospel and doctrine, but the Bible never makes such a, draws a dichotomy between the two. It's not this idea that you need to believe the gospel about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but the doctrine doesn't matter. That's not true at all. 
Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Do you see how teaching the wrong doctrine results in our worship being vain, useless, or worthless? And we certainly aren't serving God acceptably if we're worshiping God in vain. And that's what teaching the commandments of men as a, for doctrine, as opposed to the commandments of God for doctrine, will result in vain worship, useless or worthless. Can't be saved like that. Now, if doctrine is not important, as most preachers teach, then it would be okay to believe and teach and practice abortion, gay marriage. Why not? Because doctrine's not important. Only the gospel is important. Doctrine's not important. Therefore, it'd be okay to believe and teach and practice as a Christian that abortion's okay and gay marriage is okay. Let me read for you Romans 1, 26 and 27, if there's any doubt in your mind about homosexuality. It says, For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which is made. Severely condemning both lesbianism, women changing the natural use, and gay men, the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. So lesbians and gay men, both of those practices are condemned. Not only is it condemned as a sin, three times it's called a natural. I think you could look at the anatomy of a male and female and tell what's supposed to go on sexually and know that homosexuality is wrong. Even if you didn't have the Bible, you could just look at the anatomy of a male and female and understand what's supposed to go on. That's what we mean by it's unnatural. Three times it's said to be unnatural. Gays aren't born that way. This is a sinful choice that they make. But a lot of preachers out there say doctrine doesn't matter. And they'll act like somebody could be a gay Christian and still be saved. They may say, well, the Bible teaches against homosexuality, but since doctrine doesn't matter, you could still be saved even though you're a homosexual. Because after all, once you're saved, you're always saved. So if you become a Christian, then and then you start being a homosexual after you become a Christian, you're still going to be saved, of course. Doctrine doesn't matter as long as you believe the gospel. Nothing could be further from the truth. If doctrine is important, on the other hand, then we shouldn't go along with things like women preachers. Why not? How about 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35? Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Perhaps the clearest verse on any topic in the Bible is this verse against the common practice of allowing women to preach from the pulpit. When the whole church is coming together in one place, I'm told that 75% of churches across North America will allow a woman to preach in that situation. When this verse says, it's a shame for them to speak in that situation in the church. It's not wrong for women to teach the Bible. For example, in Titus 2.4, the older women are commanded to teach the younger women. So women should be teaching ladies Bible classes, teaching children, but when it comes the whole church comes together in one place. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, verse 23 of chapter 14, it's there to be a silence that's not permitted in them to speak. It's a shame for women to speak in the church. So 
if doctrine is important, and I think we've established that it is, then we cannot allow women to preach from the pulpit, and we cannot go along with that. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Any Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. What do I mean by going along with that? Well, here's my, tip, my illustration I use a lot. You know, it would be impossible for me to commit the sin of being a woman preacher. Why is that? Well, it's obvious. I'm not a woman. So it would be impossible for me to commit the sin of being a woman preacher. But suppose I worship with a church that allows women to preach from the pulpit, and I go along with it. I don't object to it. I don't try to get them to change. Guess what? I become a partaker in their evil deeds. You remember 2 John... Verses 9 through 11, verse 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. We've already read that. shows that doctrine is super important. If you don't abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. The next two verses we didn't read earlier. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deed. How would you bid somebody Godspeed in their sin? By helping them sin or encouraging them in their sin? So if I worship with the church, even though it's impossible for me to commit the sin of being a woman preacher because I'm a man, if I worship with the church that allows women to preach from the pulpit and I go along with it, then I become a partaker in somebody else's evil deeds. Well, I mentioned earlier, what about those folks that teach that water baptism is not necessary to salvation? Well, that contradicts many plain passages in the New Testament. For example, Jesus himself that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. You've got to be baptized to be saved. Many preachers will contradict that. Let's go ahead and take this call. Gary from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. How are you doing this evening? Great. Thanks for your call, Gary. Great. Yes. You, uh, you may remember I called you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had begun to uh, discuss what you were talking about, about uh, women preachers. And the reason I called, as uh, I mentioned to you while off the air, by the process of elimination, it was one week uh, this brother called, and you was telling him about uh, attending a church that allowed for women to preach. And uh, you said that he was pretty much uh, aiding and abetting and helping them to further that. And I made the observation that uh, you on a radio station, to which I listen in my area, and I made the statement that you pay for the advertisement, which to which you replied you don't, but you were being put on. But by process of elimination, there are people who listen to this station because you come on, and I'm one of the persons that listen. While I respectfully disagree with some of your position scripturally, I don't just arbitrarily disagree with them. I, based on my knowledge of the scriptures, I disagree. But by virtue of the fact that you come on at this set time every Sunday night, it's a pretty hot uh, uh, 30 minutes, and people are waiting to hear the topic, and that garners uh, support for this station to stay on the air. So by the process of elimination, when, when you say that what you accuse that brother of doing by helping uh, to keep uh, uh, erroneous doctrine in place, by you coming on this station, just even if you're not paying for it, but you are allowing your messages to be put over the airways, wouldn't that be the same thing? Gary, I don't think so, because when, when uh, you're in Meridian, right? Am I remember correctly? That's correct. Mm -hmm. So when That's that correct. local congregation in Meridian that I'm friends with pays to have mm -hmm. me on that station, is it WMER? 
WMER. That's correct. Yeah. So they're not paying. They're paying for that 26 or 30 minutes for, for my program. And they agree with what I teach. And if I teach something that they disagree with, then they should consider taking me off the air. But they're not paying for, let's suppose a woman comes on and preaches two hours later, later Sunday night. They're not paying for mm-hmm. that time. See, but no, the church that pays, the church that pays but, for that woman to come on two hours later, now they're going to be held accountable. But the church no, that I'm friends with there, no, the Grandview no, Avenue Church of Christ, no, they're paying no. me to get, hold on, mm-hmm. get on the air to preach against women preachers. Mm-hmm. So they're not right, going to be right. held accountable for for somebody else that's paying for a woman to preach. Right. I, I I didn't I didn't I didn't call to become bad. If I just want you to reason with what you're saying, it does it, yeah. it does not weigh because if you're on your popularity, your your problem being as popular as it is, is Gunner's listenership. And I've I've been in the radio game for a number of years, and I know how advertising works. And you need to have people who are listening to your station to uh, patronize, uh, you know, your advertisers. And you got to, you know, you got to prove your, your listenership. And so there are people who are listening to this station simply uh, because you're on there. And I listen every Sunday night when I have an opportunity. And uh, I, I'm, 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 you know, <laughs> I just don't understand how the reasoning could not be the same. You know, you're lending your instrument, if you please, uh, for the uh, furthering of uh the popular uh, popularity of this radio station being on at this at this time. Now I don't want you to go off. Now I'm just saying by the process of elimination, that's the same as what you were saying to this brother by going to this church and giving this money and tithe and offering and, and whatever that it would. Uh, you know. And by the way, I'm not going to be hypocritical. I I have a lady pastor, and I I I, I thank God that I have a lady pastor. Mm-hmm. So so. Uh... Gary, we're going to disagree here. For example, mm-hmm. I've had a guy pay a guy. If I pay a guy to come paint my house, but he also has another job uh, working, doing something that's wrong, I'm not paying him to do the thing that's wrong. I'm paying him to paint my house, so I'm not going to be held responsible and, and, for that. I'm not bidding him God's I, feet. But, Gary, let me mention this. See I, if you can get I, it. I, I, agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly because that's, that, that's my exact statement that I would have made to that brother now. He he wasn't necessarily furthering uh, what you know you believe to be what was wrong, uh, not necessarily. But by your reasoning, it, it's got to be either or, uh, uh, not at all. And I, I, yeah. I just don't understand how you know one cannot derive at that conclusion. Gary, thank you for your call very much. I appreciate it so much, and I'm I'm definitely willing to have a public debate in your area, a public debate on this mm-hmm. or any other issue if you can arrange it. But, of course, this is not my reasoning. Gary said, this is my reasoning. And he says, "If by your reasoning, this, that, or the other. But it's not my reasoning. I read Second John 10 through 11. It says, if they're coming in to you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's feed. For he that biddeth him God's feed is partaker of his evil deeds. So it's not my reasoning. This is what God says. If you bid God's feed to somebody who's in sin, in their sin, you become a partaker in their evil deeds. I didn't make that up. That's not my reasoning. That's what God says. We don't have the right to argue against it. What we should do is just accept it and abide by it. Perry from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. So it's not so much a question. It's as in I have to disagree with you about the women preachers. Uh, you know, three years ago, I was completely against Christ. You know, I buried two children. My brother shot and killed himself. Um, I was going through a really, really rough place. If it wasn't for my church that I go to, 
I'd probably be dead today, and and it included women preachers. Now, let me mind you, I am an Orthodox Jew that was baptized Christian as well. Harry, what do you think about this passage? I read the one in 1 Corinthians 14, and maybe we'll get back to it, but what do you think about this passage? 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Wouldn't that be another passage that shows that the what we normally call the practice of women preachers would be wrong? What do you think, Harry? I, uh, yes and no. Um, I, I, I agree to disagree on this one. Okay. What do you think about the passage I did read? Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. First Corinthians fourteen thirty four and thirty five. What do you think about that one, Harry? I see now you're catching you're catching someone that was an Orthodox Jew at one time too. Yeah, and uh-huh. that's where I'm. I'm. I got the Old Testament and New Testament both inside of me. So I, I just think in today's times, in today's in today's world that the Bible, we go go by the Bible, but we also should go by and let the women that know what they're taught, what they're doing, and let them be able to do theirs and teach. I mean, they saved my life, and I'm I'm a Messianic Christian now. But, Harry, if we're going to go by the Bible, then we can't allow the women to speak in the church because the Bible says for them not to. And, And just three verses after 34 and 35, Paul says, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So, so this passage that's saying it's a shame for women to speak in the church is actually a commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to go by the Bible, mm-hmm. we're not going to let women preach. You can't say we got to go by the Bible, but or we got to go by the Bible and allow women to preach. If we're going to go by the Bible, I, we can't I allow women to preach. <clears throat> I, I I understand what you're saying, but then what about in today's day and age, though? I mean, do you think that's right? I mean, I understand the Bible's, you know, but in today's day well, and age. I'll say, let me, let me, I understand your argument. Suppose somebody were to say, I know the Bible teaches it's wrong to murder a baby, but in today's age, since everybody says it's okay to have a do abortion, that abortion is okay. Or in today's age, since mm-hmm. the majority think, that homosexuality is okay, therefore, and I know the Bible teaches against it, but since the majority teach homosexuality is okay, I guess it would be okay to allow gays in the church today. You don't think that reasoning would work across the board, do you, Harry? No, I don't at all, actually. I don't. That I agree with. I don't think that at all. Well, it's the same principle. We cannot, we cannot compromise just because the majority thinks it's okay for women to to take the leadership role in the church, we cannot compromise the Bible on the issue of women preachers any more than we yeah, can I, compromise the Bible on homosexuality or abortion. You see what I mean, Harry? Tommy from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, uh, so I'm just curious. You're talking uh, about the need to be baptized to be saved. And right. my question relates to, I apologize, I'm closing my, my car door here. Uh, Luke chapter 23, uh, verse 43, the criminal on the cross, Jesus turns to him and says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Right. Clearly the criminal was not baptized. Was he making a one-time exception? Well, I want you to think about something, Tommy. I can approach this a number of different ways, but 
why is it that people that we today as Christians don't have to do animal sacrifices? Or why is it that we don't have to, if we choose not to, we don't have to circumcise our little boys at eight days old? Why is it okay for us to eat pork and catfish today? When the Old Testament said do animal sacrifices, circumcise your little boys at eight days old, that it's a sin to eat pork and catfish. Why is it different today? Why can we do, why is it different today, Tommy? Do you know? Because of the new covenant. Yeah, we're under the new covenant, not the Old Testament. The Old Testament law, you know, said you you could not work on Saturday, the Sabbath. But the New Testament law doesn't. Colossians 2 says that was one of the laws that's been nailed to the cross. Now, let's think about Hebrews 9, 15 through 17, Tommy, in relation to your question. And this is going to agree with what you said, that we're under the New Testament or the New Covenant now. It says, for this cause, he, talking about Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament, which by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. You could illustrate this with my parents. They wrote their will in the 1970s, but they didn't die until 2001 and 2010. And so us four boys did not split up their belongings till after 2010, after my second parent died, even though the will was written in the 1970s. You see, so that's, that's the point of this passage. The New Testament law did not go into effect until after the death of the testator. And Tommy, who's the testator in Hebrews 9? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the one that wrote this. And so, so what, in Colossians 2 says the same thing. In talking about the old law, it says, Jesus blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, took it out of the way, and nailed it to the cross. So when did the Old Testament go out of effect, according to Colossians 2? Fair enough. I, I go when he died on the cross. Yeah, and so... Remember, so this law, the laws that say, Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Acts 22, 16, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism doth also now save us. That requirement didn't go into effect until after the death of Christ. Actually, if you, if you study the whole topic, you see it did not go into effect until Acts 2, about 50 days after Jesus died. And so the thief on the cross, Tommy, thanks for your patience with me. He didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve were never baptized. Moses was never baptized. Noah was never baptized. Uh, Abraham was never baptized. Why did they not have to be baptized? I understand. Thank you very much. Yeah. Because the Old Testament never teaches. You can read Genesis through Malachi all the way through Front and backwards, you'll never read about water baptism. Water baptism didn't start until later. That's the why the thief on the cross didn't have to be baptized is because he did not live under the covenant that says you absolutely have to be baptized to be saved. Sounds like you're getting my point, Tommy. Completely. That was my. You have question. any follow up? Follow up questions? No, that that's it. Simple. Okay. Okay. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Okay. Yep. Definitely. All right. See you later. So let's get back to our thing about his doctrine important. What about this thing? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. A lot of preachers will say it doesn't really matter what you believe about baptism as long as you believe in Jesus. But what they're saying, in effect, and they'll admit this, is that they'll say, well, it's only the gospel that's important, not doctrine. But we've shown that doctrine is important. What about once saved, always saved? 
What about infant baptism? <clears throat> Galatians 5.4, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. A lot of people say you can't fall from grace. This verse says that you can. Doctrine is important. I mentioned infant baptism. Philip told the eunuch in Acts 8.37, who wanted to be baptized, he says, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Mayest what? Mayest be baptized, which implies if you don't believe, you may not be baptized. Of course, that rules out infant baptism because an infant can't believe. Doctrine is important. That's what we're trying to establish. Maybe we can talk some more about this next week because we have to go off the air. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience. Again, it's free. It's over the phone. When it's convenient for you, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study over the phone at your convenience. Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Thank you for listening tonight. And I'm glad that people in Meridian, Mississippi, for example, are excited about the program and listening. We want to preach the truth all across this land, United States and Canada.